Welcome to the Success in South Carolina podcast, where we will be hearing the untold stories of success from some of the top achievers in our home state of South Carolina. These neighbors of ours will also share their time-tested personal philosophies and solutions to inspire us, educate us, and help us find peace, joy, and love, along with a purpose, a mission, and a vision for our lives. And I'm your host, Jonathan Peoples. Our guest today lives in Greenville, South Carolina. He is the founder and CEO of Radical, which is not the standard ad agency. They're hybrid marketers that can think strategically and execute creatively. He's also the host and creative director of the Radcast, a top 10 USA marketing business podcast with over 150,000 downloads per month across all platforms. When it comes to marketing human to human, my guest is the guru. Welcome to the show, my new friend, Ryan Alford. Jonathan, great to be here, man. Thanks yeah, so great much to have you, Ryan. Dude, I am super curious. You've got a lot of different things going on, a lot of balls in the air. Uh, and you started this journey. You've been podcasting for five, six years now, right? Yeah. For a long yep, time. Yep. Uh, you're, one of your things that really caught my eye on your website was a lot of people out there in the marketing game are talking about B2B, B2C, and you talk about H to H. Can you go into that real quick? Yeah. I mean, it's... <laughs> I think as marketers, and I've been in the ad agency business for 20 plus years, and I've been guilty of it myself, like we used to always say, or that, you know, we're, this is a B2B account. This is a B2C account. And, you know, we're marketing, you know, this product to, the, to this audience. Well, it's not about audiences. It's not about segments. At the end of the day, no matter how complicated the decision maker is or how varied it is, how many approaches, there's always a human on the other end of the communication. Right. There's all, we're always, whether it's a trade show or a Google ad, there's a human on the other end of that. And so the communication needs to have humanity built into it mm. and not, it's not speeds and feeds. And, uh, we get a little caught up in all the features and benefits and we right. forget about the humanity and the benefit that it delivers and talking through a language that humans understand. Right. Sometimes we think so much about demographics. That's right. Instead <laughs> of like, there's an actual human. Yes. That's been through crap. That's gone through stuff that has goals and dreams in their life. And B2B is the most guilty. I'll be honest that right. our business <clears throat> skews like 60, 40 towards B2B. Yeah. Our clientele. And in all honesty, it's a, it's as much a dig towards the B2B side that is it more so because, you know, consumer marketing has traditionally been driven a little bit more creatively, which has been had humanity built into it, the right. nuance of it. Yeah. Where B2B gets real caught up in, okay, we're a much more complex product and, you know, we have a lot of decision makers and this is a very expensive, yes, those are all correct, but uh, we still have a human on the other end that we need to make a move. We need to make them think, feel, and act. And so what right. makes them do that? <laughs> and they're still going, they've got their own pain. Exactly. They've got their own things they're trying to eliminate. Well, hey, let's let's jump right in. I want to hear more about your story, Ryan. You've you've built your brand and it is huge. We, we just mentioned how many downloads, top 10, one of the marketing podcasts in the U.S. This obviously did not happen overnight. You had your own struggles, your own uh, journey. Would you mind kind of sharing your, your journey with us? Yeah, I'd love to. I, uh, you know, I, I'll uh, make it short, but insightful, hopefully. Uh, the uh 
I was born and raised in South Carolina. I'm a South native South Carolinian, uh, native Greenvillian, uh, if there is such a thing in yeah, these days and ages. I am too. It's, it's rare to find <laughs> nowadays. It is. Uh, I'm well-traveled. I <clears throat> uh, went to Clemson uh, and, you know, lived on the east side and very much the, uh, I'd call it the lower middle class. Um, and played sports growing up, went to Clemson, marketing major. I was actually one of those few people that knew at least about themselves what I was good at. I was always a good marketer and always thought creatively. So did find my uh, channel and path pretty quickly. Uh, started in the ad agency business working at Irwin Penland, which is now uh, EP and Co. Mm -hmm. um, had a couple buyouts and, and, and changes in the last 20 plus years, but started there right out of school in 2001. Worked there for right at 13 years. Uh, so had good longevity, uh, good growth there, helped them kind of establish and grow and build their New York office, moving to Manhattan in 2009. Uh, lived there kind of both dual residency, keeping a uh, home in Greenville and a residence in New York uh, for close to four to five years. And, you know, really helped them f get the foothold there in New York, working on Verizon, uh, Motorola, some of their larger larger accounts and then tie-ins. So it kind of fed off of directly Verizon Wireless business. Yeah. But the offshoot of that was working with the NFL and working with Apple and other ones um, indirectly and directly through uh, that Verizon relationship that we uh, developed and grew significantly while at, at Irwin Penland. Uh, left there and, you know, this is where it turns, you know, uh, I like to say um, um, kind of the, the, the runway ran out, you know, 13 yeah. years and just it's time for a change and a, a pretty – Though somewhat decided above me was pretty mutual uh, in a lot of ways. I, I had kind of done what I could do. And New York wasn't going to be home forever. Mm -hmm. um, and so moved back to Greenville and, you know, decided I was going to follow a passion. Yeah. I uh, always was a car guy. And so, uh, you know, follow your passion. All the gurus say, you know, right. <laughs> yeah. Follow the passion. That's what you need to do. That's what all, especially you hear that a lot today. And uh, you know, so I did that. I went into the car business and proceeded over a three year period from 2014 to about 2017 to lose about a million dollars Wow! <laughs> in the car business following my passion. Yeah. Uh, did a startup, uh, thought, you know, my marketing acumen would carry me through and it probably, uh, allowed me to lose more money, uh, because maybe it held me up longer because I, the marketing was good, but the, uh, the acumen and understanding, how dirty and complicated the, the car business is, uh, yeah. was not so good. Uh, and so, you know, went through that after spending so much time in the ad agency and, um, finally kind of came to my, uh, senses knowing what I'm great at, which is marketing ad agency. The, the natural move would have been after leaving a Penland to just start my own agency. <laughs> right, right? Right, right. <laughs> but I tried to take the detour and, uh, it was kind of the detour to nowhere. Uh, and then so wised up, I saw the, what was happening though, with social media, uh, this personal branding thing, which you hear a lot of it starting mm -hmm. to take off that a lot of people cringed at, you know, especially yeah, yeah. they still do. Yeah. Um, I don't love the term. I think it more of it is authority building. Uh, but saw that happening, wanted to start my own agency, uh, and saw that podcasting was starting to, you know, really start to get mm -hmm. some, some foothold. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, starting in 2018, started heavy really on all three. Started Radical, started the Radcast, and started really building Ryan Alford's authority and personal branding around what I'd have done, you know, for 17 plus years at the time. Yeah. In marketing and startups and everything else. And so 
really went hot and heavy on those. And the last five years have been a whirl. I, uh, you know, if you, I think we spoke, you know, if you put those on equal trajectory, you know, time and success, uh, they've both would be pointed upwards, almost an equal trajectory because mm. they've all fed one of each other. I've used the podcast to establish my authority mm-hmm. um, and to have content establishing right. my authority, mm-hmm. talking about what I know, having guests, um, and then my personal brand being a reflection of my podcast, my thinking, my opinions on marketing and business topics and otherwise, my family. Um, and then radical, 80% of our leads have come through our podcast. Yeah. Wow. And so it's been a really great journey, but uh, a journey with which a lot of success has happened through the commitment and investment in those three things. Yeah. Let me jump back because I want to ask you a question about losing a million dollars. That yeah. is, first of all, how do you how do you go through a season like that and then not and then get get up off the ground, dust yourself off and move on? You know, it's it's a story that even I um, I'm very much a uh, I don't believe in having a rear view mirror like it's been hard for me to talk about, to be honest. As tr- transparent as I've been with a lot of things, I've probably talked the least in my journey about it. And it's not because I haven't want others, but it's because, like, again, I, I try not to, I, I say, you, you know, looking back, all you get to, you know, short sore neck. Sure, uh, sure, <laughs> but, sure. like, when I, it was a really difficult. I, I like to say, you know, I, I, when I have a pity party, I have balloons, clowns, and streamers at them, but <laughs> yeah. I, they only last a day. Yeah. I'm really good about kind of, I'm going to feel really bad about something, but I rebound and kind of get off the mat. You know, like I think it's one of the attributes of successful people because they say failure leads to the greatest successes because you learn. And I think I just packaged up and said, you know what? I'm going to make a journal and write down everything I learned from this experience. And as I, when I go on my next path, I'm not going to be perfect, but I'm not going to make these mistakes again. Mm. And there's been things that I wrote down that I go back at and look sometimes. And I've look, I'm not perfect. I, I've started to step in a few things that I've already that I stepped in before. Yeah. But that history and that knowledge um, has really been useful, I think, in making radical what's become an eight figure business. Yeah. So you took some time to. To sit down during that pity party or after the pity party, <laughs> think about what what did I learn from this? Journal those things. Do you revisit that pretty often, or is it? Hey, you know what? I wrote them down. I got them out of my head, and I'm done with it. You know, it's interesting for me. Journaling and note taking. Um, it was a reason a lot of people like hated me, like in college and was. I have a really good weird memory. Yeah. Like. I forget a lot of things that maybe uh, my wife wants me to remember, <laughs> but like life things, if I write them down, yeah, it's like they're there. Mm-hmm. And so I do go back. I, mean, I won't say I don't. I've got them like in my Apple Notes app on my phone. Mm-hmm. So I will revisit them occasionally, but most of them, you know, it comes down to like five different things. Uh, and I remember the lessons of them pretty hard and heavy. <laughs> what do you feel like are the major things you learned going through that phase? Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing is stick to what you know and don't, and hire experts. Mm. You know, I think for good, bad, or indifferent, I was always a marketer, good marketing. uh, I was a, you know, good account person, but a good strategy person. I was a good ad agency guy. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was what I knew. Yeah. And I had had a lot of success early. Um, And I think starting my business, I just thought, I don't say I thought I was Teflon, mm. 
But I thought those same things to just, this is, this, I'll make this happen. Yeah. I make things happen. You know, sure. like, you know, I just rough and tumble. I'm going to go at it. You how know? you've always done it. How I've always done it. And, and I've been successful. Well, that didn't work, you right. know, because there were so many nuances to that business that weren't marketing related, that were operationally driven, mm. that I didn't know what I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And I've learned that you have to surround yourself with a great team and or hire experts for certain parts of your business. Yeah. And that was a real key to it. And sometimes when you're following a new passion, there there is a learning process and you may you may still thrive at it. How do you, looking back on that, how do you recognize if somebody's starting a new passion and they said they've given it two months, three months, for, like even podcasting, for example, the average podcaster makes it through six episodes, but if they'd only stick through it and get a little further, then they might gain some traction. How does somebody know when is it time to, hey, I, I realize this is not going to be fruitful for me, or is there a season that I just need to push through this and it's going to get better? Yeah, you've got to have some markers of, of, you know, success. I like, I, I say this term a lot, like crawl, walk, run, mm-hmm. like that you need to have specific goals in each phase. And so if you're, if you're trying to create a mainstream, like broader podcast and, you know, I mean, I won't say Joe Rogan, I know that's a bad moniker, but like, he's pretty sure. mainstream, but like, yeah. if you're trying to create something that's widely targeted, you need to set some markers of, popularity. So downloads and all those kinds of things. And if you're not seeing trends over six months, you got to give it six months. I'll say this, like yeah. if you're starting a podcast, give yourself a minimum of six months, minimum 20 to 30 episodes. Uh, I would say 30, let's say 30, just to be, to be specific, 30 yeah. episodes in six months. Um, and if you aren't seeing some trending, yeah, and it doesn't mean you're going from 10 downloads to 10,000. Right. But if you aren't seeing some things catch on, if you don't have a feedback loop for knowing Mm. and getting feedback that, hey, this is great, man, you need to stick with it, or your downloads are improving. Mm. But, so you gotta have those, you gotta have markers of some sorts. Um, And then, you know, like, but it's interesting. When I started the Radcast, I didn't look at my analytics at all for six months. Mm. And I'll tell you why. I did it to create the content. Right. I, I knew that I was starting the, my personal branding and authority building. I knew that the podcast may or may not make it forever. Right. But if it was my source of content uh, so that I got in front of a camera and got on a microphone and talked about my opinion and gave me a source of content to start to build and talk about things I'd already done. Yeah. You know, like some people start these things and don't have a story yet. You know, right. like if you're younger or if you're changing careers and you're talking about something new, but I was, it was a marketing business podcast and I had worked on the NFL and Verizon and Apple and had the war stories and the fun stories and right. like perspective. And I can talk about more, like I can sit in a room talking about marketing for 10 hours. You know, what do you want to talk about? You want to talk about branding, you want to talk about content development, you want to talk about strategy, positioning, consumer behavior. Yeah. And so I just needed a mic and a camera to talk about it, to create the content, to start the personal brand. So the success monikers for me were just, Am I creating some decent, you know, social media? And social media was a little bit of the feedback loop for me because posting those short clips from the podcast, I would see how they perform. And so they performing well would tell me whether or not my podcast was successful over and above maybe the downloads. Right. And it was not my 
I didn't need, it wasn't a source of income. Mm. It was a source of content and authority building. Yeah. So that was my moniker for success. So yeah. if you're wanting to know, like every individual journey is a little different. And so I, I would tell it people- it depends on what your goals are when you start out too. Yes. And so, I mean, but there's some things like, and this is what I start. once I was like, okay, I'm in it. The podcast number started growing. My personal brand's growing. Now I have a little bit of cachet to leverage. Mm-hmm. And then as you see to our right, you know, here in our podcast studio where we're recording today, the quality of the, of the, of the people that I started, because I, using my marketing acumen and what I know, there's some things I believe in, circle of influence, mm-hmm. uh, borrowed interest. Those are like key things in the Ryan Offer playbook in marketing. So what does that mean? Okay, if I want my circle of influence to be higher, I need to leverage a larger circle of influence than my own. Mm. What does that mean? Like to really make it simple, think about The Rock being in a commercial. Yeah. And I'm selling Tide. And Tide is a really big brand, but The Rock is really freaking popular. Right. And so I have Rock in the Tide commercial as a spokesperson that raises the circle of influence and the authority of Tide by having them in there. I did the same thing with the Radcast. As the Radcast, after the first year, started to grow and have a little bit of chutzpah, yeah. I could get braver and more precise in who I'd ask on my show and start to leverage and borrow those. And so once I got Bruce Buffer, the voice of the Octagon, I could get Jesse Palmer, who's the host of The Bachelor, and then I could get Jaron Johnston, one of the hottest country music artists in country right now. And I could get Bradley, who's an authority in business and marketing and personal branding. And so... And Marty Smith from the ESPN yeah. on uh, College Game Day, yeah. and so these things all start to take on a life of themselves. They, I'm raising the interest. They're interested in coming on because the show is becoming more popular, and they're trying to get out there. And they know podcasting is important. Yeah. And I'm trying to raise the elevated per- perception and reality of the of the Radcast. And so you start to do these things, and so it became you know success for the Radcast has has changed, you know, like, yeah. it's not just about the content anymore. Yeah. It's rad. It's radicals third largest client <laughs> because yeah. of sponsor dollars and other things. Do you find that having these big names help with the promotion of the show in and of itself, just having a big name, or do you feel like it just builds an authority that you can now leverage to build the show? Like, like let me, let me see if I can ask that a different way. Cause I've yeah. had, I've had some kind of fairly big names on my, on my show, but I've found this. What surprised me is those episodes didn't necessarily do nearly as good as the guest who may be below the radar, but helped me promote that dang episode. We partnered together. Yeah, I have had mixed, like if you look at the ratings, some of the biggest guests I've had have had dynamite up their highest episodes, some that I would have thought haven't. It's a combination of the, look, this isn't either or, it's both. Yeah, It's like having a big name guest, no matter how many people download it, it still goes on my press kit right. because if I want to have the CEO of uh, Zoom on my show, yeah, you know, having Marty Smith and Bruce Buffer and Will Ahmed, the CEO of Whoop, the fastest growing fitness tracker in the world, like Grant Cardone, <laughs> you know, like having these guys on there make them want to come on. Even if those ratings weren't right. as wonderful as you would have thought they'd be. Right. It's macro and micro. That's mm-hmm. the answer to your question. Yeah. It's macro uh, to helping in the big picture and micro sometimes if the ratings go through. Yeah. But I don't ever, I never look at one episode individually. I always look at the sum of the parts. Mm. That's the key. So as long as you're getting closer and closer to your goal. 
Uh, that's one of the things that's again, back to the question of when do I, do I call it quit or do I keep pushing forward? It has a lot to do with the goals initially that we set out for. Yes. And are, am I getting closer to those goals? If the goal is to monetize it, are you getting closer to monetizing? If the goal is just to build your name, to build recognition, to build authority, then are you doing that? That's right. Right. And you got to pivot those goals. Like first, my goals were just, I need a source of, of, of content. Yeah. And I need a way to start to build my authority. Even if the podcast itself isn't big, I'm using that content elsewhere. Yeah. But then as the, as I got better, as the guests got better, my goals changed. Okay. Well, we can make some money from this. Okay. We need Mm -hmm. some sponsors. What kind of sponsors do we want? What, you know, wait a second, I can use this because eight out of 10 leads are coming from the podcast, which I actually saw that as a goal to begin with. See, that would be goal A. A was, was content and B. I was like, this show will help generate. I, I could see the writing on the wall for that. Mm-hmm. That you know, no matter how big or small the audience is, it will help me get get, get clients because either I can have them on as a guest. Right there's the that's the Trojan horse. Mm-hmm. Invite who you want your ideal client on your podcast. The synergy and reciprocity that they want to do when that happens right. is unimaginable. It gets you indoors that you never could have got into. That's right. If you didn't have them as a guest on your podcast. And that's, but in, and Jonathan, so smart. Like that's what the show's done for me is it's opening doors. Like I'm involved in events and now the shows has a life of its own. There's things and doors and people and like, it's, it's really, I can't even quantify it. I mean, it's monetarily, but I'm a firm believer in the more people that know who you are or the know who your show is, the more opportunities you get. And there are so many opportunities at my doorstep right now. Like I, I have to like piece and part them together. Yeah. You know, like which one, you know, I want to love, I love them all. I love yeah. them all, but you got to start to divide and conquer. Right. When you're, when you're starving, just take any opportunities. But once you have too many, you kind of have to be picky and choosy. Yeah. Because you can get spread too thin and be not be feeding the ones that matter. Yeah. And I've run into that sometimes too. Yeah. That's a growth, you know, lesson is like, you know, I mean, cause it's not, it doesn't mean like every opportunity is a million dollar. I mean, I don't want to like overstate it, you know, but I see the tenets of what it is, you know, getting invited to events that I know I'll be, you know, shaking hands and rubbing shoulders with people more successful than me. Mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer of getting in the room with people that are smarter than you, more successful than you that know things that you don't like. Right. And it just, it leads to, you know, they say like you fought a product of five, the five closest people, you know, yeah, well, yeah you are. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I want to get your take on passion because you mentioned earlier that you followed your passion. That was part of what led you into this, uh, Valley, I'll call it, uh, this, this setback, uh, but you learned a lot from it. So wh- I know that when you're growing up, when you're in high school or whatever, your guidance counselor always says, man, Find what you love and do that because you'll never work a day in your life. And I feel like it sounds really good. It'd be good on a motivational poster. But then you hear things like Jim Collins and Good to Great that say it ha- that's one of the segments. It's not just what you love. It also has to be what are you great at? And then what can you make money from? So it's those three things. If you can combine those three, where do you fall on this whole passion thing? Do you feel like it's I need to follow my passion or do you feel like, man, passion is uh, fickle. You need to you need to figure out what fits in those three segments. I think people get passionate when they see, (coughs) excuse me, when they see success from what they're good at. Yeah. Like, you know, when I was growing up, I played basketball and I played baseball and I played and I swam and I 
played, you know, a little bit of football, like played all these things, but I was a badass in basketball. Yeah. I don't know that it was my most passionate sport until I was like pretty darn good at this. Yeah. And then I started practicing. I got better. Suddenly I was super passionate about basketball, yeah. but I don't know if it was my first love. Yeah. And so we, I think you become passionate what you're good at. So if you feed where your talents lie, mm. especially towards the direction that can make money, mm. you'll suddenly become more passionate about it yeah. versus going, I love cars. I'm into cars. You know, that's a really cool. <laughs> I think I can make money on cars. Sure. Well, not necessarily. Sure. I wasn't necessarily good at it. I definitely wasn't. So, <laughs> so what you're saying is don't necessarily follow your passion, but bring your passion with you wherever you're going. That's right. And and your passion will grow from the success that you see. Yeah. Uh, it, and it starts with the wins instead of the passion, like, mm-hmm. and the talent. It starts with the ability. Like, and I think you can, it's not just binary. It's not like, well, man, I'm good at numbers, so I'm going to be stuck behind a desk forever as an accountant. Mm. Not necessarily. You you can channel that in today's world towards developing software that's an accounting software or being a speaker in accounting or being the coolest accountant ever, yeah. you know, like, yeah. but you're great at numbers. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of layers to the passions and the, and the opportunities that aren't just, you know, well, I have to be this or that. So many people think in terms of black and white. That's right. Yeah. Yep. So having a little bit of creative, creative mentality, but going along with strategy. Again, that goes back to your whole brand is strategy and creativity. That's right. And uh, I like to say I live in the gray area. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and I mean that both figuratively and literally, like, I just think you get, if you're too close to what's black and white, like, I don't know. The truth just, is life is gray area. It is there. I mean, the more, I think when you're, when you're a five-year-old and when you're a six-year-old, and even maybe when you're a teenager, you think in terms of black and white. But the more you grow up, you realize life is a gray area. Now, that doesn't mean I don't believe in absolutes. That doesn't mean that I don't believe in this is right and this is wrong. But that life is a gray area. That's right. And, you know, I mean, I'd say the the least gray area thing for me would probably be my moral compass. Sure. But everything else, you know, lives right. in, I just don't think, you know, with politics, everything else, like everybody wants there to be this clear cut thing. And mm. I just think there's so much nuance because there's just such humanity involved. There's right. never as clear as we want it to yeah. be. So you have to, you know, embrace that on some levels. And I think, you know, I am, I would, if I was going to like sum it up, like my ability to be successful is my ability to pivot my ability to change my ability to think in the gray. And it's, it's real hard, I think, to, and there's definitely been successful people that don't do that. But if you're not willing to kind of pivot from your own, I don't know what you think something is mm. and change. Like I just, I, I have very few things other than my wife and children that I uh, put conditional like love around or like, I just don't like, I can, I've moved a bunch. I've lived in different houses. I've had a bunch of different cars. Like I just don't put a lot of, I can just change yeah. and it not bother me. Yeah. And the likelihood <laughs> that you were born with every single thing correct and you, you have nothing wrong and no mindset, no, it's, you've got to be able to think and expand and grow and change. That's right. Right. And well, I, speaking of pivot, let's pivot real quick. Yeah. Uh, Cause I do want to, let's jump into the, the topic I really want to discuss. And I feel like this is perfect for you because you're a guru on it is the success principle of getting known. 
Yes. Right. Uh, the the more well you, known you are, I mean, and it doesn't matter. This is across the board. Like you talked about, mathematician, uh, engineer, whatever it is. The more well known you are, the more success you can bring into your life. Yeah. So speak to that. Speak. Help me. Help me unpack that, Ryan. Yeah. Um, here, I want to start with what it's not. This is not about being famous. Mm-hmm. This is not about uh, celebrity for the sake of something that doesn't have a purpose. Um, what I mean when I talk about that is being known to the right people and as many of them as possible. Yeah. So, you know, I firmly believe that the more of the right audience that knows who you are, the more opportunities you get. And what do I mean by that? So when I started radical and the Radcast, like all these things have fed one each other, like more people that know who radical is the more client opportunities we should get, you know, the more people that know the Radcast the more people that will know Ryan Alford and or will lead to monetary opportunities for the podcast. And so it's really in a weird way. Um, I'm kind of been playing around because I, I cringe. And I know everyone by listening, all oh, the personal branding thing. I, I, I cringe too. Don't get me wrong, but it's really the marketing of you. It's we've never lived in a world where there's been this opportunity because if you think about mass reach, which is needed to become known, for like a brand. Yeah. It used to only be TV and outdoor boards and print. Um, and even digital ads when they started coming in big. So like those were the channels, but now you have umpteen social media networks. Mm-hmm. You have LinkedIn and you have Facebook and you have Instagram and TikTok and Twitter. And so you have all of these platforms that are essentially free. And even as tight as they've gotten somewhat with organic reach, just by being there and being present and sharing a point of view, you have the ability to build massive reach Mm -hmm. and massive authority in whatever your field is. Right. And I know in 2023, it might sound odd to some people listening that that's not common, but it's still not as common as you think Mm -hmm. for people to fully leverage those opportunities to their max. And that's just what I've embraced the last five years. And I can say with certainty, looking at, four to six of my peers, none of which I would name, like what I've done and how I've embraced this versus what they've done. And it's a different, it's just a whole different plane. You know, it just is. And it's not because I'm smarter, (laughs) but I'm just willing to embrace something that seems uncomfortable, but has unlimited possibilities. Mm. So how do you break into that getting more well-known? Yeah. First, you have to start with who... It's strategic. I think some people just go, I don't know what to post, what to do. It's just like writing an ad, you know, who are we talking to? Who's your target? Mm-hmm. What are you great at? And what does it take for you to be known, liked, and trusted? Mm. People do business back to humanity with those that they know, like, and trust. And so I identify, I mean, my target base is business and marketing at the, at the real broad level. And then now it's helping other people build their personal brands Mm -hmm. or specific, I would layer it down to B2B companies looking to be more human and to drive more outcomes with their marketing. And so I channel into those, those specific targets and I start building content towards the topics, which they should be interested in or that they're already doing. And so that I'm building authority in those topics because create, you know, I'm chopping up podcasts, like I'll chop up this episode and you will, and like do highlight clips yeah. and, and share point of view. 
Um, I'll write blog posts sometimes. Uh, most of my content is video and audio. Mm. You know, I mean, I write some, but like a lot of it's that. But I start, who's my target? What do I want them to think? How do I want them to feel? And what do I want them to do? And so then I create content buckets. I have three to four buckets. One of mine's family. And look, you know, I post a lot about my family, both on LinkedIn and, and I'm like, what's I got to do with business? Yeah. Do you know the last three of the four clients that have hired me have said these words, Ryan, you don't know why, we're, why we, we reached out to you? We really like, you know, I really related to how much you talk about your family. Mm. And, you know, you're not afraid to talk about your wife. Yeah. And I'm like, that's, I mean, you have the ability to open doors before you even get to them. Mm. That's what authority building and brand building does. You are setting the table before you even make the dinner reservation. Mm. And because they get to know you, they might get to like you a little bit. They can definitely trust you because you're talking about a subject and you know what you're talking right, about. Because right. again, you're talking about your authority. What, what do you know? What do you, you know? How, what's your opinion? Mm. And some people look, you might also be canceling out people that you ultimately wouldn't have worked well with too, mm. because yeah. maybe they cancel you out. Right. And that might be people say, well, I don't want to be canceling my opportunities. Well, let me tell you, I get a lot more opportunities than ones I don't. Or, the, or, before, or before I did it, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you that. It's better to turn away those people that you wouldn't have probably worked well with anyway. That's right. It yeah. saves you a lot of time, a lot of heartache. Um, and at the same time, you're attracting people that will work well with you. Yes. And that's been, that is the key is, you know, I mean, knock on wood, I always, <laughs> I am somewhat of a superstitious person on that kind of thing, like saying things that like not the next day that were the opposite happening. Uh, but the clients that we have like at Radical now, and a lot of them have come through, you know, the channels and things I'm talking about is the most solid we've ever had. And I think it's back to being correlated to my personal brand and my authority and my stuff is as solid as it's ever been. Mm. I've been doing it longer and gotten better at it. And I think it's because they knew what to expect coming in. We're delivering what we say we'll deliver, but it, I think it starts with, again, filtering people that are the most likely to probably do good business with you, but yeah. both ways. Yeah. And so it's correlated. So uh, on, on a personal level, here's some questions I have, because I'm, I'm still the amateur podcaster. I'm still the rookie. You're the veteran. What are some lessons you've learned along the way to help get your name, to, to help expand? Obviously, you're creating a ton of content. You're posting it on a lot of social media. But what are some of the things that aren't necessarily obvious? Okay. You'd say, hey, here's something that I do that most people probably don't that are doing a podcast. And this gets me so much more audience or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, well, the first thing I'll say that's kind of in my playbook is I give away all my best advice and nothing, and there's no sacred cows because I'm a firm believer that execution's everything. So like, you know, that's why our clients go, well, you, are you not afraid you're giving away like your secret sauce? No, I don't care. You know, like no one can execute as good as I can yeah. <laughs> or right. we can, you right. know, like, but so I'll say that there's, there's in your playbook. If you think you're like, you've got something that's uh, no one else has thought of, then I don't know what to tell you. It, it's ever been thought of, but it just hadn't all been acted upon the right way. Mm. But I'll say this, say yes to everything. So I, to this day, you know, I have to schedule a little better. I can't say, you know, yes, I'll do this tomorrow. No matter how big, small, or perceived large scale the podcast or show might be, I say yes. Now, I might have to say yes, but it'll be three months from now, mm -hmm. uh, depending on my schedule. But um, I always say yes to every opportunity to get 
um, my podcast more known and to spread the word about what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And so you're always one person away. Yeah. And so you never know, even if that podcast has 17 people that listen, you never know who's number 14 is. Mm -hmm. And so I always say yes. So if you're starting a podcast, you need to, you need to go do as many podcasts for other people um, as you're doing yourself. Yeah. So you need to go be on shows. So it helps spread the word about your show. Yeah. And also that alone will raise, especially in the early stages, will raise your podcast numbers faster than any social media you can do. It's going on other shows. Yeah. And because they already have a listenership and invite other hosts on your show to create that recipe reciprocity. Yeah. And so you have to kind of, you can't wait around for these things to happen. Yeah. You have to make them happen. How and do you make them happen? Do you, do you go out there and just shoot a message via LinkedIn or Instagram or whatever to other podcast hosts and say, Hey, I'd love to be on your podcast. I mean, how do you do that? To me, that sounds very egotistical. I'd love to be on your podcast. I look I'm for things like, that are similar to like, I don't have to do that now. Yeah. I mean, we get, I mean, but, right. but I, I get 200 a month, like requests to come on our show. Yeah. Like I it's, it's a job just to keep up with the number of requests. Yeah. But we're, we try to be as nice as we can be about it and like filter and it's like, and a lot of times it's, I'm sorry, no, but sure. you know, but if we're, for me starting out, I would find things of some, like if someone else has a mark, like if my authority is marketing and business. I would, I started at what were I perceived to be similar size shows, maybe a little larger than mine, yeah. but not to where, you know, they were so big, you know, so start small, those th similar themes to where, yeah. cause look, almost every podcast, uh, you know, unless you're hyper niche like yours is, which was really helpful for you, yeah. you know, in getting guests and people wanting to come on, but some of these are maybe a little too broad. So they're always looking for guests. Mm. So especially medium to small shows that are getting started out, they're usually pretty receptive to getting guests requests and say, Hey, and share with them a topic which is hot. Like if, you know, like whatever your specific genre is, and sure. if it's South Carolina based or if it's, you know, whatever that might be, share, a, share an idea for a topic that would be of interest. Yeah. Again, back to borrowed interest and, and stuff like that. Like what I would share like today, like if I had no, no one knew who I was or whatever, I'd go, I'd love to come on and talk about what happens when TikTok gets uh, canceled and what happened, what, what is the marketing implications of AI? Mm. That I would share those as topics that I could talk about with marketing guests right now, mm. like as a marketing host. Yeah. Cause they go, those are interesting. I know my listeners want to listen and you know, yeah. and so, yeah. You know, you have to lead them to water. And so give them, make it easy for them to say yes. I love it. So I'd start there because in the early stages, that's the the fastest way for you to grow because then their listeners are hearing you. They go, oh, yeah, I like, that's interesting. I want to go listen to his show. And so that's one of the fastest ways to grow yeah. is, is, is that. Um, and then I call it news jacking. Yeah. It's exactly what I was just saying. Like right now, AI is all the buzz mm. um, in everything, but certainly in marketing. And so, you know, I like my most recent guest to the Radcast. So I just recorded, it comes out in a couple of weeks. Uh, Rob Lennon, no, you don't know who that is. No one in this room knows who that is, but he is the preeminent. He's what's, he's known as the AI whisperer. Mm. Um, he's been using chat GPT for like three years before it ever even came out. And he's the preeminent expert in it. And so I'm newsjacking a bit. I want to know because it has a lot of implications, yeah. but all of my content, all of my snippets, all of my stuff 
is going to have all these buzzwords that are heavy right now. Mm-hmm. All my highlight clips are going to be, you know, AI is coming for your job. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'm creating intrigue and I'm also newsjacking a bit. And so, and it's a little bit of what I do by having celebrity guests and otherwise is I'm, I'm celebrity feeding a bit to raise the elevation and perception of my show. I mean, I, in all honesty, you know, I love Jesse Palmer. Jesse's a brother from another now. Like we text, like he's a cool guy. Love him. And that's a, a relationship building is another thing with podcasting that people yeah. underestimate. But when I had Jesse on, it's because he's the host of The Bachelor and he's going to bring another dimension to my show. And he's popular, you know, especially with females. And so I love him, but I'm using his shared. And he's coming on my show because right. he's getting listeners for other things that he's promoting, which right. he did. Right. So he gets we're sharing the stage here. You know, we symbiotic, both, really. Yeah, exactly. It's symbiotic. And so um, newsjacking topics, things that will bump your SEO and bump, uh, the interest in your show. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the going on other shows, those things are not as obvious, but help your show a lot. Man, we could sit here and talk about this for another hour and a half. <laughs> uh, but here, as we wrap up, um, let's, let's chat about your companies. Obviously yeah. you've got the Radcast, you've got uh, the social house, you've got radical company, uh, share with our listeners a little bit about each one, about what they do, where they can find you and, uh, and the best way to, to follow you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate that opportunity. Um, I'm a founder and investor in four to five companies right now. Like we mentioned the Radcast and radical, um, are intertwined. It's the podcast here in our studio. Uh, but it, it's sort of like the, media company of our uh, agency, Radical, in a lot of ways. That's how I think about it now. Uh, We're growing it to the Radcast Network. We're going to have multiple shows, including the one that started. That's now top 10, as you mentioned. Having multiple shows coming under that umbrella. Shared sponsorship, shared opportunities, monetization, a lot of things. Radical, we're a very... A great boutique agency, I say, I call us full service. We started digital, but we're obviously full service. We're an ID agency. We help people drive demand and brand. Mm-hmm. And uh, ultimately, we're very outcome driven. So uh, B2B companies is kind of our our bread and butter or uh, e-commerce brands that are really that really stand out. If you're trying to sell bologna and there's 17 brands of bologna, we're probably not going to be able to help you. Yeah. But if you've got a really good product uh, already, we can take you to great. Um, and then of course, you know, my personal brand and we're here at social house, which yeah. is where my studio is. It's a co-working slash social space. It's a, we call it come to work, stay to play, yeah. uh, equal parts work. Um, and then we've got seven, you know, HD TVs, pool table. Uh, it's definitely a multi-use space that can be rented corporately for non-members or, uh, 99 bucks to, uh, co-work and come 24, seven, 365. So, uh, come hang out there and socialize uh, yeah. or come co-work during the day, either one. So yeah. we encourage both. Uh, and then not talked about a lot, but Vacay, V-A-Y-C-A-Y, is a health and wellness company that I'm now um, majority uh, investor in that's uh, really going to be taken off. And uh, takeavacay.com is where you can learn yeah. more about that. Nice. So where, where where's the best place for somebody to find you and follow you? RyanAlford.com has all my stuff. And on social media, I am Ryan Alford, all one word on every platform. I'm verified on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, before you could buy any of it. <laughs> so, uh, uh, and so uh, it's all there. And if you see that blue check and you see Ryan Alford, you know it's me. So is TikTok going away? 
I don't think it will. I think there's too much money. I think they may money. force a sale or some kind of transaction. Too much time. I mean, they're making too much money, and it, there's a lot of taxes dollars in there too. Do I'd you know be any shocked. Of the TikTok dances. <laughs> you know, uh, I got a good story there. We'll sell for part B. It's not me, but a client uh, that went viral. Uh, yeah. A local dentist. Yeah. Well, man, I appreciate it. Check check him out, Ryan Alford, uh, and the Radcast. Make sure you guys check out his episodes and give him a review. Give him a like. Give him five star comments. He's already in the top ten. Let's take him to number one. We need to have number one from South Carolina. <laughs> number one in right? South Carolina. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> Thanks, Jonathan. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Success in South Carolina podcast. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and share it with a friend who needs to hear it. And as always, this is a friendly reminder that the left lane is for passing. So speed up or move over. Are you still listening? Check out the next episode.